official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning. My name is Jason. I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I'm glad to be back now. Um, I'm the lead pastor here. If you don't know, that was kind of a joke, introducing myself. Um, But man, I'm so glad you're here this morning, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, uh, I'm fighting a bit of a cold, so if you'll forgive my voice, I would very much appreciate it. I'll try to keep the the message short, because I know I wouldn't want to listen to me sounding like this either, so... Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I do, before we dive into the message, I do just want to extend uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was scheduled to teach a message and uh, right around nine o'clock just got crazy, crazy ill, like the worst, like the worst sick I've been in a long time. And uh, I was supposed to teach and I'm just freaking out and, and Ricardo stepped up to the plate and had no warning, no nothing, you know, and just came up and preached, uh, and it was incredible. I was able to hear it on the podcast after I was done dying and being resurrected, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I just want to say a special thank you to Ricardo for that. Uh, our, our team, <laughs> our, our, our teaching team here is just, uh, all of our teams are incredible. All of our volunteers are incredible. Uh, particularly our, our teaching team is, is just, they're incredible people, every single one of them, and I'm beyond grateful for them. So, and then, uh, so, um, so let's jump in here. We're in um, week two of a series called home, uh, Coming Home, and uh, before I dive into everything about the series, um, if you don't know me very well, uh, you might not know that I have two sons. Um, I have two boys. My my uh, my oldest son's named Dylan. He's 13, and yes, his name is comes from Bob Dylan. Um, his name is Dylan Joshua Day. So Bob Dylan and Joshua Tree from you two. So um, I convinced my wife. It was it was a good day. Um, and then my younger son is Owen Jude Day, and he's 10. Um, Owen. Um, my wife picked. It has no musical significance, um, but Jude, hey Jude, the Beatles, you know, so, um, but my, uh, my boys, I'm a, I'm a father of two, two boys, and they could not be more different. Does anybody have two children that are polar opposites? Yes, they could not be more different. Owen, my youngest son, is an outside, all the time kid. He's like, BMX skateboard. Um, he just recently started picking up guitar. He's been playing b- bl- back in black all through the house and stuff. Uh, he he plays drums. He he's a loves basketball. That's Owen, right? Owen is just go 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 all the time. He leaves the house when the minute he gets home from school, and we don't see him until it's basically dark and it's time to come home. And um, that that's Owen. But uh, Dylan, my oldest son, is a lot different than that. He's 13, and he's all into audiobooks, particularly like uh, fantasy, like uh, Aragon, um, the dr- like the Dragon series, or you know, he he loves 
anything, any book that has a dragon in it, basically he loves, right? And, and he loves video games, and he's wildly creative. Um, he makes up these stories just out of the clear blue sky. Um, his friends on recess, he's, he's in seventh grade, and he and his friends make up their own fantasy games on recess, like that they just like pull out of their head. It's, they're like Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z or whatever, but they're like his own versions of them or whatever with characters that they create and they have all these abilities and stuff like that. He pulls that stuff out of thin air, right? He's just wildly, wildly creative. And it took me a long time to realize that they both experience my love as their father in different ways. It took me a long time to realize that I can't, I, I, I can't always love them in the same way because they don't receive my love in the same way. Does that make sense? And, um, and Owen feels most loved when we are doing something together. For example, we go to the skate park a lot. Um, and uh, I, I got bored standing on the side of the skate park watching Owen have all the fun. So I just recently bought a BMX bike and I haven't killed myself on it yet, which is good. So, um, uh, but we'll go to the skate park and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll play catch. And it's in those moments where we are active together that he opens up to me and lets me into his world and he receives my my love in those moments the best that he connects with me in that way and and owen is a quiet kid for the most part but in those moments he shares with me all the deep true things that are in his heart but we can't be just like sitting somewhere trying to have a conversation we have to be actively doing something right and uh and dylan on the other hand uh, loves to give and receive gifts. Getting him even like a small pack of Pokemon cards while I'm at the store or whatever means the world to him. Like he just cherishes it and it lets him know that I was thinking about him even when I was away from him. Dylan is not, if you know him at all, he's not what you would call quiet. Um, in fact, he never stops talking, ever. He never stops talking. But sitting down with him and asking him about his video games or whatever he is creating in the moment, whatever game or, you know, uh, imaginary story or whatever he's creating in the moment makes him feel loved. Asking him about the things that he is into and, and sitting down and letting him just talk to me for half an hour about Pokemon and I just don't understand a thing, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Oh, yeah, Charmander. Yeah, cool. I, just, I have no idea what any of it means, but it makes it, the fact that I'm asking and listening makes him feel loved. Uh, and, and by sitting down with him, you know, the, it's the gateway into the real stuff. You know, by asking him about the simple things like video games or going to the skate park with Owen, it's the gateway into the real stuff that's on his heart and going through their minds. And my boys are completely opposite. <coughs> and yet, 
my love for them in many ways is the same, right? Like I would do anything for them, including lay down my life willingly in, a, in an instant. No question, no question. But my love for both of them as individuals ha- has to also be unique and intentional. You get that? Because they're both unique, right? They receive love in different ways. And, and this, is, this is the love of a father. This is the love of the father, right? And uh, we're in a mini-series right now called Coming Home. And the focus of this series is for us to take some time for self-examination uh, through the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus told in uh, Luke chapter 15. This was originally supposed to be a three-week series, one week on the younger son, one week on the older son, and one week on the father. But because I got ill on the first week, Brian had the challenging task of cramming both sons into one, one message. And uh, I was able to catch it on the live stream. And we had some trouble with the podcast, but I think the podcast will be up by the end of the week. And, um, but I was able to catch it on the live stream, and uh, Brian, you did an incredible job. Thank you so much. If you missed last week when it is posted, or if you have Facebook, you got to go watch the live stream or, or check out the podcast. But uh, the truth is most of modern teaching focuses on the younger son in the story. I mean, uh, uh, the younger son has been the primary focus on a lot of sermons preached in, in, in the modern day. And I think it's because a lot of us can easily see ourselves in the younger son of the prodigal uh, son story. But the truth is, is that both sons are lost. It should be called the prodigal sons, right? <laughs> and, uh, and as Brian showed us last week, Jesus' main point in sharing the parable was for the people who were like the older son in his community, um, the, the Pharisees. And, and so I, I believe that there's still even more truth that we can glean from this parable, um, out, even outside of, of the sons. I have a friend uh, who's a pastor of a church in Redding, California, and um, they spent nine weeks in this parable and so three weeks was kind of like we were just scratching the surface a little bit. But I feel like there's some powerful truth even outside of the sons that we can grab onto. But I want to refresh the story for you um, before we go any further. Because if you haven't been here, you don't know what the younger son is, the older son, the father. So let's just go ahead and refresh the story. I was going to try to read this, but could I have a... Any, anybody willing to be brave and come up and read the scripture? Can, can anybody read? Jody, yeah, come on. I have it. It's pretty big, so. So we're going to read through 30, 32. Yeah, all the blue. Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew, drew, drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. That was great. So this father has two sons, right? The younger son said to his father, you mean nothing to me. Truly, the only value you hold for me is the money that I will get when you die. That's what the younger son said to the father. The money you get that I get when you die is the only value you have to me. So just give it to me now so I can be done with you. Who would have the guts to say that to their dad? Maybe audacity is a better word, right? Whew, that is a bold, bold thing to say. Unfathomable. And yet, even still, the father gives the son his inheritance. And he goes and, and, and parties basically till he's broke and starving in another land. And he, when he reaches rock bottom, he devises a plan to go back to his father, but he knew he would never be accepted as a son after his unthinkable act. So his plan is to request to be a hired hand. That makes logical sense, right? But the younger son doesn't even get close to the house before he, 
He doesn't even get a word of his prepared speech out. He, he, he doesn't even, he isn't even able to begin groveling, the groveling that he has prepared in his mind to do to the Father. The Father sees him while he is a long way off, which I think is one of the most beautiful pictures in the scriptures, that the Father sees the Son who's lost a far way off, a long way off. And the Father doesn't just sit still. He runs to him. He runs to him. The Father welcomes him back with immense affection (coughs) and immediately restores his sonship, which was not even a thought in the younger son's mind beyond his wildest expectations, right? The father even throws a feast in his honor. The Bible says he slaughtered the fattened calf, which in our terms means at this party, they weren't like drinking Hawaiian punch. They were popping bottles, right? They were popping bottles. This was a party. Saying cook up the fattened calf was like saying break out the crystal. Bring out the good stuff, right? Who knows what Cristal is? No? I've seen it in rap videos. That's all I know, really. It's something that rappers like to pour on the ground. I don't know. But, um, (laughs) so they're throwing a party, right? They're throwing a party. And uh, the older son catches wind of, of what's going on and is furious. He refuses to come in. He refuses to come in. He stays out in the field. When the father comes out to him, the older son shows his true colors. Shows his true colors. Greedy and disrespectful, hard-hearted towards his father and his brother. But the father still pushes through the lack of honor his oldest son is showing him and communicates his deep love for him and his brother. It's in this intimate moment that the story comes to an end, right? The parable comes to an end. Jesus leaves us hanging, wondering if the older son will come home. The older son, we don't know if the older son comes home or not. Jesus leaves us hanging. This father Jesus is describing is God the Father, and we are his sons and daughters. And through this parable, two thoughts come to mind for me. The first and most obvious is whether you are in the place of the younger son where you have just completely obliterated your your relationship with the Father in your own mind, or whether you're the older son who has been faithful and feels like you're owed something from God. No matter which camp you fall in, we all are in desperate need of a homecoming to the Father. We need to realize that no amount 
of money or wealth, which is really what it was about for both of the sons, could ever replace the love of our Father. Anything that the Father can do for you or give to you could never be better than simply having an intimate, loving relationship with the Father. The older son was all up in arms about what he was going to get from the Father, right? But the Father is standing there saying, don't you understand? You get me. You get me. And all that I have is yours. Not just a portion. So wherever you are on your God journey right now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I need to come home to the Father? Am I in a place where I am in right relationship with the Father? Is he enough for me, or am I looking to his hand for him to do something for me? That's a tough question. It's convicting for me. I had to get right with the Lord this, like, this morning before I even thought about preaching this message. I was on my knees in my office asking forgiveness. Asking God's mercy to be in right relationship with him. And so wherever you're at in your journey, I want you to ask yourself, do you need to come home right now? Do you need to come home? The second thought I have about this parable is how can we, as lost sons and daughters who have been welcomed home and embraced by the Father, begin to love others like the Father has loved us? How can we begin to love like the Father? And there are a few things about the Father's love that I want to point out in this parable. The first is that the Father's love is specific. The Father's love is specific. The Father shows love in different ways towards his sons. He shows compassion and mercy in different ways towards his son. The story says that the father saw the younger son when he was a long way off and ran out to him. Now, in, those, in this culture, um, older prominent men, particularly ones who were wealthy and owned property and, you know, uh, livestock, they did not run. That was a complete, like, thing, faux pas, cultural faux pas, I guess. Is that still a word? I don't know. Sure. Chris said sure, so I'm going with that. Um, but he ran out to him. The son was already coming home. He had already made the decision, but the father went out to meet him. The older son is out in the field huffing and puffing, refusing to come in. And the father comes out to him to try to convince him to come in. 
there's a difference there. The father went out to both of his sons in different ways. One was out of joy, and the other was out of concern. The father knew his sons intimately and uniquely. He knew exactly when to go to them and when to let them be. The father's love for you is specific in the sense that he knows you intimately. And he knows what, is go- what it's going to take to get through to you personally. He knows you. He knows that some of us need to hit rock bottom. And some of us just need a little wake-up call. He knows you intimately. The Psalms say that God knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you intimately, and he knows how to show you love and mercy specifically. You. The next thought is uh, the Father's love is limitless. And this is one that a lot of Christians are uncomfortable with, frankly. I want you to think about the amount of dishonor the sons showed the father publicly. The amount of dishonor that they showed would have been staggering in that culture. Just staggering. The younger son wished for his father to be dead, basically. The older son disrespected his father in, in, in the way he addressed him. He said, look, not father, not master. He said, look, which would have which been a sign of complete disrespect. And, <coughs> excuse me. and he spoke out against him. The older son revealed his true feelings about the father through this disrespect. And the father takes it. He takes it. Because even despite the massive amount of disrespect his sons give him, the father feels immense compassion towards both of his sons. Do you ever... Stop loving your kids. If you have kids, do you ever stop loving them? If they make bad choices and disrespect you, you may get angry. You may have to take your hands off of them and step back for a little while. But you never stop loving them. You never stop wanting to express compassion towards them. Even despite the massive amount of disrespect his sons gave him, the father feels immense compassion towards both of his sons. His heart burns to bring his children under his love and care. The father's heart burns to bring his children home, his sons and daughters home. He just keeps whispering to them. 
There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. I feel like some of you guys need to hear that today. Hear that from the Father. There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. The Father's love and compassion is limitless. All you have to do is desire it and want it and ask for it. He won't force it on you because the Father's love is disciplined. The Father's love is disciplined. That's the third one. The Father knows that sometimes the best way to truly love someone is to let them go. The Father lets the younger son take his possessions and leave. He doesn't go after him. He doesn't go find him living it up in the city and drag him out of there. He doesn't go rescue him out of the pig's pen. He waits till the younger son has already made the decision to come home. That is a disciplined love. That is a disciplined love. With the older son, he doesn't go out and force him to come back in. He doesn't strong arm him. The father goes out in gentleness and compassion. Because the father loves his son so much that he doesn't take away their right to choose. He does not take away their right to choose. He wants his sons to be with him because they choose to love him, not because they're forced to love him. God loves you so much that he gave you the right to choose to reject his love. And he keeps right on loving you anyways. He loves you so much that he doesn't take away your free will because he wants you freely to love him. He doesn't, if he wanted um, mindless robots or clones or whatever, that's what he would have created. But he created you with, with the choice to choose him or reject him. That's how much he loves you. So what can we take away from these, these few things about loving others as the Father? Well, I think there's a pretty strong word here against bitterness and for forgiveness and for compassion. There's a famous quote that says, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. 
What if the father harbored all this resentment? What if he took all this offense and just held on to the bitterness? Because that's what we do a lot of the time. As we remember and relive the offense every day. Right? But here's the thing. There is power in compassion and forgiveness. Even when the other person doesn't want to be forgiven, doesn't see anything that they've done wrong. There's power and freedom in living in forgiveness. Because that's what I see in the Father. is perpetual compassion. Perpetual forgiveness. And so when we're in the holidays and we just celebrated Thanksgiving and Christmas is right around the corner and New Year's, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to run into someone, you know, whether it be family or friends or just someone from work at the grocery store or whatever, that there's, there's a touch of bitterness in there. I would ask you to think about putting that before the Father and forgiving and offering compassion because there's, there's freedom in that. Loving like the Father isn't even remotely possible unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Because there is no way we can love like this on our own. So don't try to do it on your own. If you do, you will fail. The Holy Spirit has to do it through you. Which is why coming home to the Father is the first step. Inviting Jesus Christ into your life. Inviting the Holy Spirit to work through you has to be the first step because if you do it out of order you will fail I remember when I first moved to California I was 19 and uh, had just let left my job at a nonprofit it was a pretty good job for a 19 year old and uh, I really loved it um, but my life was changing and I was I just felt like if I stayed in Ohio, um, because I'm from Columbus, uh, that I was just going to end up there forever. I was just going to end up doing the same thing night after night, you know, same old, same old. Um, And I and I just didn't want that in my life. And so I decided to that I was going to move to California. And uh, long story short, I ended up Rather than San Diego, which is on the southern end of California, I ended up in Redding, California, which is on the northern end of California. I was like, Redding, I'm from Ohio, so I'm like, Redding, California? Oh, still California, probably close to the beach, right? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Right? Um, But but so I took a job there, and as I I literally packed up everything I could fit in my car. I didn't have a moving truck. Man, those were the days, because now I have two kids, and we need, like, three moving trucks. But 
Um, but I literally packed up everything I could in my car, including my like guitar stuff and my PA system and all this. And I think I had like this much clothes and um, <laughs> had the important stuff. But uh, I packed up my car and uh, I was closing up the car and it was like all of a sudden occurring to me like, okay, this is it. The next step is driving away, getting in the car and driving away from my mom and dad, from the home I had known, from all everything I had known, my friends, uh, all the places that I had worked, you know, and I came back in the house. And I wasn't like, I wasn't like a crier or anything, like, you know, how some teenagers are just like, you know, like crying all the time. But, but, um, but I wasn't like that, and uh, I, but I came back in the house and just sat down in my dad's recliner and just started to cry. And I just was like, I just knew this next step was so pivotal. It was going to, it, it was, it was scary. It was incre- incredibly paralyzing. And uh, so I just sat down and just started to cry a little bit, and uh, my mom who my mom is the most nurturing person you will ever meet. She she takes care of everybody. She's like the epitome of a caretaker. She loves people so well, and she's been through so much in her life, and she just continues to love people well. And, uh, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. Um, my mom showed me love in a really weird way that day, in a way that she had never shown me before. Uh, she came over to me, and she hugged me, and she grabbed my arm, and she pushed me out the door. (laughs) And I can tell you for a fact that the last thing she wanted me to do was leave. But she knew the love I needed in that moment. And I'm forever grateful, because at that moment, I had just barely met the Lord, at 19, and when I moved to Reading, I, I found a church, I got involved, I began worship leading, and so on and so on, and, and it, if my mom hadn't loved me in that way, in that moment, I don't know where I would be today, and so here's my question to you, I have two questions, one Are you out in the field or the pig pen and need to come home to the Father today? Because he knows how to show compassion to you specifically. And there's nothing you've done in your life that he can't forgive. Because his, the Father's love is limitless. But he will not make you come home because his love is disciplined. He will not force himself on you. He wants you to want him. So do you need to come home today to the Father? And two, who do you need to exercise the Father's love to this week? And in the weeks to come? Let's have the worship team come as we close. I just feel like feel like I want to ask uh, 
Does anybody need to come home today? If you do, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you need to come home today, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Okay, I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Okay, all right. I see you. I see you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, I want to pray for you guys. Father, by the show of hands, hands just now, Lord, there are sons and daughters who need to come home to you right now. Father, they're, they're, they are willing, but maybe they don't know how to take the first step, Lord. So I pray, God, that right now, that by the showing of that hand, Lord, you would begin to run towards them. Father, that that hand raise would be the first step in a restored relationship, God. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them in gentleness and compassion, Lord, and that you would uh, whisper into their ear, Father, that you love them, God, and welcome home, son, welcome home, daughter. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting and watching. And when you come home to the Father, the Father in heavens, there, uh, there's a celebration. So Father God, I pray you draw near to these folks right now. That you welcome them home. Father, I pray forgiveness over their sin. I pray that you renew a right heart within them, Lord. Father, I pray that gratitude and thankfulness would prepare the way for you to work in their lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.